Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from all their, from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning time and the time of worship that you allowed. And um, Father, as we set a little more time in your presence to hear from your word, we pray that you might um, quiet our hearts. Would you please humble our hearts and prepare it to receive your word? Um, we pray for your servant who is bringing your word to us. Pray that you would strengthen him and enable him to speak. And would you please speak to us through him? We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go into the ministry of the word, a couple of things. Joel Philip. Yeah. So, Joel is leaving us after three years. Please come forward. He'd like to share something about his life here, so how about you? We're supposed to do this after or before? (laughs) Okay, anyway, um, I don't have much to share, but I just want to... In brief, I just want to thank the church. Uh, It's been a good three years uh, in Bangalore itself, and... uh, um, most of all, I just want to thank God, most of all, because uh, it was by His grace only that I could come to Bangalore. I wasn't sure what His plan was for me, uh, but He gave me an admission in Bangalore, and finally I got to come to uh, Christ College over here. And the task, some of them, some of you people over here might know how 
I came to CBF in itself and uh, uh, initially I didn't come to CBF for my first week uh, in Bangalore but uh, because of some people here and because of a few people in my family I was able to come to CBF and I'm so glad that I actually was able to eventually come here uh, uh, ever since then uh, it wasn't just about coming to church it was uh, about spending time with people over here getting to know people through uh, cell groups through uh, time in prayer with everybody uh, like conversations with everybody in church and I'm so glad that that could happen in these three years and it wasn't just coming to church that changed me it was uh, through other people's lives in church as well that you know I could see God living in everybody and uh, it was a different experience for me to know that uh, through people's lives God could be shown as much and that much more and uh, it encouraged me even more to see that uh, people like this share uh, you know I mean, I could see God living through so many people and it was encouraging for me and I'm so glad that I could spend three years over here. I'm just glad for the church especially uh, for how you've encouraged me uh, as a person. Uh, just keep me in prayer. Um, I will be moving to Abu Dhabi uh, tomorrow. Hopefully my flight hasn't been booked yet, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm planning to go tomorrow. Uh, but uh, just keep me in prayer. Um, um, I have so many things in line uh, when I go back to Abu Dhabi. I'm still not sure where uh, God wants me to go, uh, in which line I have to proceed. But as of now, I'm going to go continue my ACCA, which is a CA uh, course. Uh, please keep me in prayer with even respect to keeping in touch with God, uh, uh, to spend more time with Him, to see what He has in plan. Uh, I've talked to so many people about this, about how I should handle uh, being in touch with God after I leave. And... Uh, I've, so many people have encouraged me and so many people have spoken to me and uh, uh, I wouldn't say prepped me but I know God has uh, something better planned and I'm sure that if I ever had the chance to come back I would definitely come back to CBF um, and if I ever do come back then I hope to see you all then and uh, keep please do keep me in prayer till then and uh, what is, I'm just thankful once again to God and to this whole church once again thanks everybody Do you remember the verse that was read last week for Mahima? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody remembers the reference? Isaiah. Isaiah. 55 and verse 12. I'll leave the same with you. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth in the singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Verse 13. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Um, it's a beautiful words. Probably you might think that's taken out of context a bit, but um, the words of the scripture speak to us in all situations. I think um, to people embarking on a new journey, which might have difficulties, and this is our prayer, that you would go out with joy and would be led out 
with peace. Not that there would not be mountains and hills. They would be there. But let them clap their hands and receive you. And may you have strength to go forward and all that. And again, um, we'll be hopefully praying for you once in a while at least. At least those who are part of the cell group. Okay? And please keep in touch. You don't need to get out of the CBF Brothers group or whatever. <laughs> Earlier, it was a 50-member limit and we had to throw you out, but now you can't. Okay, let's pray. Um, Father in heaven, we want to thank you for bringing people together and then taking them to other places. Lord, we want to thank you that you use the time that we have together in encouraging one another in helping us to move forward, helping us to grow closer to you. And come and Joel as he leaves this place and moves back to Abu Dhabi. Lord, we pray that you would help him to understand what to do with his life in the near term as well as with his life, how it can be used in a way that glorifies you, that at the end of his life, he would have been happy that he lived a life for you. Help him to glorify you in his all, in all his choices, whether it be of career, um, jobs in specific situations, or any other way that you lead him. Help him with his choice of life partner and other major decisions in his life. And when there are troubles and sorrows, help him to be stayed on you. As I pray that you would help him to understand your presence each and every moment in Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you. Um, how many of us have gone to uh, any state government offices in Karnataka? Uh, not too many. In any, in any state government? Yes. So, how many people are there? How many of the workers are there on time? All of you are laughing, right? And even after they come, they sit down and have their tea or newspaper, and they don't take time to serve you, correct? We have to wait on them. Now, there's a parallel here. I think the, not even one-fourth of the number of people were here when we started, at least for the initial five, ten minutes. And after we started the worship, again we are drinking tea and reading newspaper. There is nothing from our heart to give to the Lord. I thought today's worship was very ill-prepared. We were ill-prepared for today's worship. And that hurts me to think of that. Let us all take care that we come on time, we come prepared with our hearts filled with the word of God. Each and every person should come with a song, a psalm, something from the word. Maybe the Lord would want you to stand up and offer them, otherwise it might be in your heart. But please do come prepare for worship when we come together. Sorry, at times we had to talk about these things, so 
Um, we had got out of all this, but I think, again, we are falling back into the same problem. Anyway, we'll come to today's portion. And let me just get organized a bit here. If, um, so we read from Hebrews chapter 4, and I'd be sticking mostly to that text today. Um, I'd like to title today's sermon as Let Us Be Diligent, Be Diligent to Enter into That Rest. Be Diligent to Enter into That Rest rest. Before we take it to today's portion, if we turn to chapter 3, the second section of verse 1, we looked at it last time as well, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. As we thought last time, chapters 1 and 2 talked about Jesus Christ, the apostle from God, the apostle of our confession. And in chapter 1, we looked at the dignity of, dignities of Christ and the divine offices of Christ, which are so far superior in every way to those of the angels. And we see that he is sitting now with the right hand of the majesty on high, while angels are just ministering spirits. And in chapter 2, we saw that he had become lower than angels, but now he is crowned with glory and honor. And he's leading many sons to glory. And chapter 2 also tells us that he brought us the message of salvation, and we should not drift away from it. Most of the truths that are there in chapter 1 and 2 are captured in a portion of the Nicene Creed. And I'll just read that out to you. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. So the message in the first two chapters was, since we have come to such a great salvation, since we have come to this great harbor of salvation, let us not, let us not, do you remember? Drift away. Take care that we do not drift. Okay. And a very clear warning stands out in chapter 3. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And we talked about the example of the Israelites 
who constantly rebelled against God. And we talked about maybe close to 1.2 million people falling dead in the desert over a period of 40 years, slightly over 80 people dying per day in the desert with intermittent episodes of plagues when thousands or tens of thousands are killed. And all this is purely because of the evil heart of unbelief. And then we looked at Jeremiah chapter 17, if you remember. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, most of us know by heart. Okay. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Many a time when we have a very famous verse, people forget to read the verses near it, you know, some verses before and some verses behind. You learn that or you refer to that or it's marked there and that stands out. But if you read uh, verse 5 and verse 7, um, it really catches the essence of it. Verse 5 describes a man whose heart departs from God. Cursed is a man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. A heart that trusts in man is an evil heart and he is cursed. Do we trust in man? Do we trust in our own selves? Our own abilities? Our own skills in our secular life as well as in our spiritual life? Cursed is a man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. And verse 7, on the other hand, it describes a man whose heart is steadfast. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who, uh, whose trust is the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out roots, sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So here is the blessed heart, blessed man, here is the cursed man. And then the word tells us, the heart is deceitful above all else. And we, uh, we talked about it and we said we need to watch against hard, hardness of heart, heart hardening. Give you the example of the blast furnace where not enough heat and it solidifies as a mess. How do we guard against hardening of heart? Very simple. Exhort one another daily so that we may not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And we also said unbelief is probably born not in the intellect but in the heart. Many people know the truth in their intellect but they still don't believe. It is not in the heart. Unbelief is born 
in the heart. I still remember there was a, I don't know whether I told you this last time, I was my roommate, a couple of years junior to me in college. He was an atheist when he came. The reason, because he could not go forward, he had fallen in love with his first cousin and he could not go forward and then he said, God is not answering my prayers and he grew bitter in his heart against God and he became an atheist. Unbelief is, is born in the heart, not in the intellect. Praise God, he came to the Lord later on. So, um, chapter 3, we looked at the evil heart and there is that warning, do not depart from the, um, let us not depart from the Lord because of an evil heart. Um, chapters 3 and 4 also start us off, start us off on Christ the High Priest. We'll be learning more about Christ the High Priest in the latter chapters. Actually, chapter 2 verse 17 starts the topic. It says, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He had to be made that he might become a merciful, faithful high priest. Chapter 2 verse 17 starts a transitional sentence. It starts the topic of uh, Christ the high priest. The faithfulness of the high priest is introduced in chapter 3 verses 1 to 6. Many outlines of Hebrews uh, will stress on the theme of better things, better things. Um, I personally don't... Um, um, take that uh, very much. Of course, better things are talked about uh, because some of them, some of it does not really bring out the message of the um, passage. Uh, in chapter 3, initially we find that Jesus is better than Moses. But the real message there is not that Jesus is better than Moses, but that he is faithful over his house as a son. Um, let me give you an illustration. Actually, this is from my own life. Um, so when I was in my late teens, uh, we were planting rubber saplings in our little farm in Kerala. So, you know, the process is that you dig a pit that is probably one meter, 1.2 meter deep and I forget the dimensions, maybe 40 by 60 on top. So the pits are uh, usually dug by laborers and each pit has, it, um, you pay by uh, the number of pits that they dig. It doesn't matter whether it is soft soil or rocky soil. So we had a patch that was full of laterite storms. So the guys wouldn't dig there, so they did the rest of it and went off. So, um, my younger brother and I, we got together and we said we will do it. And with a lot of hard work, using crowbar and pickaxe, uh, over a couple of weeks, we actually dug it up, dug up um, 
some seven, eight more pits, and we um, planted um, rubber saplings there. You know, a few years later, it would give us at least one kilogram of extra rubber every day. Why? Because it belonged to us. So we are faithful in our work because it belongs to us. Christ is faithful over his house. The house belongs to him. He has a special interest. He will not leave and go. Okay. Then again, the verse says, verse 6 says, we are his house. Again, I remember another incident from that time. My brother and I were um, studying in um, colleges in different cities. We stayed in the hostels. So um, once in a while, in weekends, we came back home. And you know, in those days, um, we didn't have cooking gas in our hometown. You know the fuel that was used? Sawdust. Sawdust was the most efficient fuel. So to bring it, uh, usually laborers, they would go and they would bring it. As a, if you buy it, uh, two sacks, doesn't matter whether it is tightly packed or lightly packed, you pay the same price. So it is a problem to find these guys to bring them. And once they bring it, if it is uh, lightly packed, you run out of it. So every time we came, our mother used to tell us, oh, these guys don't bring it and uh, we have run out of it. So if, so both of us got together and we said we would um, uh, take care of this. And this time when we came, we went and we packed them, packed them hard like thick log. And actually we used to carry it on our heads and uh, it was uh, maybe 300 meters and we would bring it home. Why? Because it was of interest to us. And we were serving our mother. So if it is somebody that is dear to me, I take care of that person. And it says, we are his house. So, <clears throat> we are his house if we hold fast the confidence of rejoicing in our hope to the end. Now, we might have taken care of our mother in one aspect, but there's a big difference between us and the Lord. So, unlike me and my brother, were not always available. The Lord Jesus Christ is always available. We lack in ability, but He's Almighty. We lack in wisdom, He's all wise. We lack in knowledge, He's all knowing. So, this great God is a faithful person, it's a faithful son over the household of God. He is faithful son over the household of God. And we are his house. Which means the house will be taken care of. With that confidence in that faithful high priest, we need to draw near. That is the introduction 
to the section on high priest. So, um, if we recollect uh, thoughts in chapters 1 to 3, the chapter 1 and 2 together it would say, do not drift away. And in chapter 3 it would say, do not depart from the living God because of an evil and believing heart. So do not drift, do not depart. And this brings us to chapter 4 and it says, be diligent. <coughs> okay. um, chapter 4 actually begins with a warning. Let's read verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So the thing is, let us fear. The warning is, let us fear. Let us fear. Fear of what? Of not entering it. Not entering the rest. So what rest? Whose rest? Uh, last time we went on the surface a little bit and we said, there is the rest of uh, the rest of redemption that the Lord has redeemed us, and we rest in that redemption. But we also talked about the rest of God's care, being resting under God's care. I didn't proceed further on that. Actually, the real focal point of rest is probably neither of this. Um, we'll come to that um, shortly. So, and if you go to verse um, 2, indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. So gospel was preached in the Old Testament and the gospel is preached to us. And both are the same gospel, the gospel of rest. The gospel of rest has been preached to them and the gospel of rest has been preached to us. But the, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So for something to be fruitful, you have to add something to it. You have to add something, right? When you cook, if you cook meat alone, of course some Kazakhs would do that, but it's not tasty. You at least need to have some pepper and salt. Right? If you hear the word, it is of no use unless we add faith to it. If faith is not mixed, it is fruitless. It does not profit us, just as it did not profit many in the Old Testament. Now to many of us who have been born into Christian families, there's a great danger here. There's a great danger. 
we hear it, hear it, hear it all the time. And we think we believe it. But has it really been mixed with faith? We have heard it ever so much, but have we mixed it with faith? If we have not mixed it with faith, we do not come into that salvation. But um, come to verse 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest. And I want to take it from there that we who have believed do enter that rest. So for me, as far as our topic of conversation today is concerned, we are not going to dig up whether we are Christians. I am tended to use the word Christian as believer. So... Many a time uh, when people people get confused because I use the word Christian, um, um, I'm going to treat this as a settled thing that we are believers. And those who are believers, to them, there is no doubt that they, are, they have entered into the rest of redemption. They are not going. They are not going to do anything further to add to the finished work of Christ on the cross. That is a settled thing. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. And we heard it, and we heard it with a heart of faith. And um, as we hear it with a heart of faith, we have made it our own. Then there is this uh, experience that we each of us have and we say, and we tell ourselves, as the transaction is done, I am my beloved's and he is mine. I am not going to do anything further. And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 is very clear that we do not need to work for that rest. To enter into that rest, we do not need to work. But when we come to verse um, uh, 11, it says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. So here is a rest to which we have to enter. And we have to be diligent to enter the rest. Which obviously means that it is not the rest of redemption that uh, we are talking about. Uh, Last time we talked about the nature of the rest. And even before we talk about the nature of this rest, I have a question. Whose rest? Are we talking about our rest? Actually we are talking about the Lord's rest. Verse 1 says about the promise um, remains of entering his rest. Verse 3, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 5, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 10 again, for he who has entered his rest. So the rest is a rest of God. It's a rest that the Lord gives us and it's a rest like the rest that the Lord had. 
there's a lot of discussion about the words that are used about rest here and ex- except for one the others are of the same uh, root the other one would um, be about as there remains a sabbath rest but uh, to me it doesn't matter if you understand the passage everything ties in together so we'll just use the word rest here so what is the rest that the lord entered into you know the lord jesus says my father is working until now and i am working so in one place it is said that the lord rested from his work after creation and then the lord jesus christ says my father is working until now and i am working so how do we understand this is the father resting or is he working actually it is a rest where you also work we talked about it a little bit last time it is not the rest of weariness i'm so tired i need to rest no it is not that rest father god was not tired he did not need to be taking rest because he was tired no was he indulgent hmm. ha today i'll take leave and just indulge myself just entertain myself no it is not that either my father has been working until now and i am working again um, some illustrations might help um let me give you an example an illustration from the workplace um i'll talk about something that happened to me um you know i worked uh, in steel authority of india for 7 years as an engineer so at that time we were modernizing the um plant um uh, those who are from electrical background they, they would understand something called mercury arc rectifiers which produce converts ac to dc and this was very old systems you know the, the valves and things that existed before thyristors and semiconductors came of that period there were this huge mercury arc rectifiers which always gave trouble and we were uh, replacing it with thyristors and um, electronic um, control system so the power and the control systems were getting replaced for some 12 big dc drives around 1 uh, megawatt each so the work extended over months and we had to be very careful so that the production is not affected so it was a lot of tension by the way i also got my hands burnt during um, those days anyway once all that was done once that project was finished we was yeah we felt a sigh of relief we felt rested but did we f- stop working no we had to monitor that they worked well and we had to keep on working but here is a better system and it is going on 
So something that has that has turned out good, like the Lord after the creation says, he looked at everything and said, and God saw that it was good, and God saw that it was good, and He's maintaining and nourishing His creation. Even so, we who have come to the Lord, we have obtained salvation. But there is an area that we need to work. Okay. Uh, to understand that area, it might be uh, easier if we consider the people of Israel. They came to the land of Canaan, right? Under Joshua, it was supposed to be rest. Correct? They came there, but did they, did they get rest? No, they were fighting battles after battles. And there was the South Campaign and the North Campaign. Oh, we'll not go into that. Anyway, there was, there was huge campaigns and they took possession of the land. There was giants in the land. But they took possession. They battled, but they were in the land of rest. Even so, we who have come to the assurance of salvation, we don't need to do anything further to add to it, to make sure that we are in salvation. No, we don't need to do anything about that. Uh, but um, there are enemies in our flesh that we need to conquer. There are new territories in the lives of others that we help to conquer. And we keep growing in our spirit. That is probably the focus here. To be fighting, even though we are resting, fighting. But how do we enter that rest? So it is the rest of victorious Christian life since we just finished last year's camp. So much better way of understanding. The rest of victorious Christian life. To enter into that victorious Christian life, we need to be diligent. The word translated diligent can mean um, different things. Can, can be translated differently. Endeavor to enter that rest. Strive hard to enter that rest. Struggle to enter that rest. So it is about fighting, fighting to enter that rest. So to enter the rest, we have to be Fighting looks a bit ironical, but we need to labor for that victorious Christian life to be ours. Okay, um, if you if you read Second Peter chapter one verses three to seven, we read this: According as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him 
that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then it says, And besides this, giving all diligence, I chose this version particularly because the word diligence comes. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, and then you will not be fruitless. So, we need to be diligent in our Christian life. We need to be diligent in our Christian life. We need to take care that we don't drift away on the negative side. We need to make sure that we have not departed, that we are not drifted away. But we also need to make sure, we have to be diligent in our Christian life. Actually, the um, portion here is very uh, puzzling if you don't get the essence of it. Verse 11. Uh, chapter 4, verse 11. Let us therefore be, be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any to a sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Why is this verse coming immediately after that? Immediately after, we are being asked to be diligent, it says, the word of God is living and active, and is powerful, living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Then it says, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. Have you ever tried um, peeling meat away from the bone? It needs some skill. Certain places it will come off easily. Other places you will lose some meat on the bone if you are not skilled. It needs skill to separate the meat and the bone. Now, imagine bone and marrow. Can you ever, ever separate the bone and marrow without boiling and separating it out? It's so tough. The word of God is so sharp, it can go to every molecule and separate the bone and the marrow. Now it's not about bone and marrow that's being mentioned here. What is being mentioned is to the division of soul and spirit. So what is the soul and what is spirit? What is soul and what is spirit? 
Okay, um, if he, that soul is kind of the, the nature that is there in us. I just wanted to read from somebody here. Uh, hopefully I got it here. Thank you. It separates the spirit and the soul which are intimately linked together. The soul, the psyche, the natural animal principle in us versus the spirit. The natural animal principle in us. This is from Jane Darby. The natural animal principle in us. Soul, even an unsaved person has a soul. But our spirit, they have been dead, they have been made alive in Christ. The word that is used for um, uh, soul and spirit, uh, sometimes they are used interchangeably in Old Testament in some translations. But the word soul here is that animal principle that is in us, which means <coughs> our nature. The word of God separates our psyche and our spirit. It discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. When we are going wrong, the word of God, by the way, when this was being written, the word of God was not probably available in the hand of every believer in written form. But about that, it could be the revelation of God, the expression of God. The word that they received through the teaching of the, the word of God that they received that surrounds man and that the revelation that surrounds God and has come to us. The revelation from God, the words of God, they come into our psyche, separates our psyche and our spirit. We know when we do things wrong unless we have blunted our conscience. And the word of God speaks to us and when that word comes to us it is fruitless unless we mix it with something. What is that? Faith. Belief. Faith in what? Faith that this God who is showing this to us is faithful. He has our best interest in his heart. He is guiding us. Oh no, I won't have any enjoyment in life. No! He has your interest in his heart. He wants to give you maximum enjoyment in life. Our psyche, our nature says, No, the, my body, my flesh won't have any let. No. 
we need to have faith that what he says is right when the word of god tells us and convicts us at that point we need to submit and say yes thank you thank you that you have shown me this i think at least um four five people i've been sharing with are all struggling in one particular area very sincere people i would say why victory is not there in our own personal lives where there are areas where we lack victory in my personal life there are areas that where i lack victory it is because when the word of god comes and cuts between our psyche and our spirit and says this is according to the flesh stop it and this builds up the spirit pursue it if we are not able to hear and combine that with faith cursed is the man who puts his trust in the flesh blessed is the man whose trust is in the lord whose trust is the lord in various areas of our life some are the sins of some people are quite obvious we can stand in judgment the sins of others are quite hidden doesn't matter which way whatever whatever the spirit of god will come and it will come and judge our thoughts the two edged sword the powerful sharp two edged sword will come and cut and now that we have the scripture in written form in our hands thy word o lord i have hidden in my heart that i may not sin against thee hide the word of god in our hearts memorize them memorize them and they will work if you put it memorizing keep on reading it will become part of you you may not remember everything word by word but it will come at the right time okay so strive endeavor be diligent be diligent when that cutting comes to say god i find it hard that you tell that my spirit and my flesh has to be separate lord i will cut my flesh off here and i will take hold of you uh, another verse to go with this would be second corinthians 10 and 5 Um, many of us might know this by heart or for continue um, for continuity i'll read from verse 4 for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal 
but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Strongholds are those entrenched philosophies in our minds. I have to, otherwise I cannot survive. That is a stronghold. If I don't get this pleasure, I simply cannot. That is a stronghold in us. For the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, pulling down the stronghold in our lives in a fight against those sins that we struggle against. They are powerful to cast down arguments and every high thing that exerts itself against the knowledge of God. There are things that exalt themselves in our lives against the knowledge of God. Okay, God says this, 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 but I cannot, but I have to. No! Those are things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought, every thought in the captivity to the obedience of Christ, and that should be what we should endeavor to—to take every thought captive to the knowledge of God, knowledge of and obedience of Christ. Take our thoughts captive. Many times, our thoughts make us captives. But we are to capture them. They have to be our captives. If you say something in your heart, you will go after that. In your heart, if you say, "I have to depend on flesh," I cannot but depend on flesh. Cursed are you. If you say. I will take hold of this by the knowledge that God has given me now. Then we will be blessed. You know, many a time the um, chapter four and verse twelve in Hebrews, uh, it is taken as a kind of a very unpleasant truth. Oh, God sees me. The word of God is living and powerful. God sees me. It was. It would have been so nice if God did not see me. It's a, it's a kind of unpleasant truth for many, but the thing is, it is a pleasant truth because it gives us victory. It tells us at the right time, even before we go into into indulge into our sin, the Lord by His grace shows us you are wrong. He is able to do that surgery and remove that cancer that would come to our spirit from the flesh. The flesh would come on to the spirit and grow on to it, so the surgery happens at the right time, and our spirits keep rejoicing in the Lord. Okay, now verse fourteen, verse thirteen and fourteen, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. There is an aspect of what happens. If you don't pay attention, now verse fourteen onwards. 
Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize our weaknesses with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We Christians need two things. We need mercy and we need grace. Both are there at the throne of grace. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. You know the tabernacle that Moses erected, there was the brazen altar where the sacrifice was done and then uh, there was a holy place and then there was the holy of holies. We are very familiar with that. It will be coming up later on as well. In the holy place there would be the showbread and the lampstand. The other priest would go every day but there was a veil after that and beyond that was the Ark of the Covenant. And God was not there. God's special presence was there. And to that not all priests went, only the high priest went and once a year. Being many of us being born in brethren homes are very clear about all these topics. But what is the significance here? Jesus has gone from the brazen altar, holies, to the holy place, turned the veil, came to the holy of holies, and has passed through the heavens where God himself is, and he is there, seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Do we get the significance of this? The earthly high priest could only come onto the um, Ark of Covenant that was on the earth. But we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, beyond the Ark of God, through the heavens, to the presence of the Almighty. And he is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And he is faithful. And we are his house. And we need to be rejoicing in that. Those who are rejoicing in it will find his faithfulness in their lives. If we hold fast that rejoicing in our hope to the end, we will find him faithful in each and every point. We are his house. He is so concerned about us. And uh, the victory will be ours. The Christian need not live a defeated Christian life. Let us enter into the rest where we allow God to do surgery. A surgery that is better than laser surgery. 
each and every moment that he's there. He's there before we fall. I remember John Korean talking about this decades back when I was young. He used to give the uh, illustration of a guy who was on a big tall ladder and he cried because the ladder was shaking and he was going to fall. And somebody came running, but the guy fell down, but um, they carried him to the hospital and he was okay. So he got time, uh, he, he got help, but he did not get the help at his time of need. The need was when the ladder was shaking. Even before we fall. The Lord is there to help us even before we fall. There is grace to help us even before we fall into sin. Even before we watch that thing that we don't want to watch. Even before we read the thing that we don't want to read. Even before we utter the word that we don't want to utter. Even before that anger rushes out from us. Grace is there at the time of our need. And if we fall. Little children, I write to you so that you may not sin. But if you sin, there is still mercy. Mercy and grace. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Knowing that at the right time, the Lord will help us. When that thought comes, realize the word of God is active. God is active in our hearts. Making that sharp cut with that double-edged sword and telling us, this is your natural flesh which will lead you into death. Let us walk by the Spirit and we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Let us take every thought captive to the knowledge of Christ. He is faithful not as a servant but as a son. He will take the maximum effort possible. He doesn't need to. He is all powerful but if he has to he can. It is easy for him only let us give him that opportunity in our lives. He's all powerful, he's all knowing, he's ever present, he's all wise. Let us run to the throne of grace, knowing that we have a great high priest who, who also understands, he, who lifts up on us, who knows our weaknesses. And let us. Uh, boldly approach the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to ask you that you help each of us as individuals to enter the trust of victorious living in you where we are ever abiding in your presence where we do not give opportunity to the flesh where we constantly battle against the flesh and make victories our own 
not moving forward in our own our own foolish thoughts but coming into your presence knowing that you will you will help us before we fall we want to thank you for your provision thank you for the provision of the word of god that is in our hands lord we pray that you would help us to treasure it to memorize it to make it part of our lives and treasure it in our hearts that we may not sin against you and that we would conquer new territories and do everything that is that is pleasing in your sight and that we may help others also to win that war help us to cast down every argument every thought that rises up in our hearts against your knowledge help us father and help us not to see your presence your promptings the fact that you are always seeing us as something negative and and something to be something unpleasant and ever present help helping us at each and every moment even before we fall thank you father thank you for your son our lord jesus christ in christ's precious name